we've always been in lockstep, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, you know, our destinies are intertwined. You know, as as the human race now, I'm not yeah. even talking about. I'm not even talking about. You know ethnicity i'm talking about the human race mm -hmm. we are intertwined and god damn it if we can't figure that out right, right. and take care of each other hello here together listeners so did we get any suggestions for what to call our peeps our dedicated listeners our community members uh no but i think people were a little distracted last yeah. week yeah no. Well, as we said on our Facebook Live the other day, I did come up with an idea. Oh. Should we just plow ahead with it? Yeah, yeah, give it a shot. If anybody can come up with something better, bring it. But I hereby dub thee here together, listeners. Da, 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 da. Hotties. Hotties. H dot T equals hot. Get it? I, I, I get it. I get it. Because we think you and your brains and your hearts are smoking hot or we wouldn't hang out with you. Just saying. Right. So uh, we ready to start the podcast with all of our hotties? Uh, yes, please. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving a sense of connectedness, a dose of empathy, a glimpse of the way forward and an opportunity to engage. Oh, that's good. How are you, dear listeners? Dear hotties, we are recording this on Sunday, November 8th. Mm. This has been a week full of all the feels, the stress and joy and fear and sorrow and hope. We hope you are coping and coming through it okay. We checked in this week with a couple of our besties to process all these feelings and find out what comes next. Right. Right. We know that not all of you are political junkies like I've become, and many of you are likely really ready to move on with fewer phone calls coming into your cell phone, fewer flyers in your mailbox. But more people followed this election more closely than ever before, and more people voted than ever before. By all accounts, it was the most important, most consequential election in a generation. Our generation. And all that said, we wanted to check in with you and share with you a couple of stories from some dedicated women who are really engaged in this election. Their stories are personal and emotional, and we think that they will touch you. Joining us this week, we have pod fave Laura Fitton back to talk about what makes this election different and why her belief in our new vice president-elect is so deeply, deeply personal. For those of you who don't remember, Laura is a serial entrepreneur and a problem solver. She's a college chum from my Cornell days, and she took her smarts and passion and created her own internet startup about monetizing and promoting brands on Twitter back before Twitter was really a thing. She sold her company to a large inbound marketing group, freeing herself up to address climate change through the Enough Company, and then the pandemic. She, she went after the pandemic with the PPE index. The through line in all of her ventures is that she sees a need and she decides to do something to meet that need. If you see something, do something. Absolutely. In this episode, Laura talks about her realization that black women are the backbone of our democracy. And she tells us what she did to help amplify their voices and their work. And because we're not done protecting the vote and protecting democracy. We also have 
And I am beyond thrilled to say my BFF from high school, Elise Durham. We've been promising that you'd get to meet her and we finally get to deliver on that. She lays it down on the founding fathers, voting in Georgia and moving forward together. Elise works for Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms as the Director of Communications at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, the world's busiest airport and the airport with the longest name. (laughs) Before that, she was a TV news producer as well as running communications for Morehouse College and Florida A&M University. She was also our high school's mascot, Leo the Lion, our (laughs) senior year. I was so happy and excited to talk with her, and you'll hear why. She's a smart, savvy badass I know you will enjoy. All right, the tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimal levels. I'm a pint low, but, you know. Yeah, and the cat is secured. Uh, He is on my lap sleeping, so yes. Excellent, and the microphones are hot. Check. We are here Here together. together. So what we're going to do next is play you a selection of our conversation with Laura Fitton. And this was, this was Kelly's idea. She got up the morning of, um, I guess that was Saturday Friday or Saturday, Saturday yeah. morning, Friday, Saturday morning after the election had been called. Uh, I had a bunch of plans for another kind of, another kind of podcast. And Kelly said, let's, let's check in. So we texted around to uh, to some of our previous guests, people that we knew were really smart and engaged. And Laura texted back right away, and she said, "Give me, give me a call. Uh, I'm I'm rushing to catch a ferry to to go to Maine to to get a little downtime." And we happened to be able to get her on the phone. Call from Laura Fitton. To accept, press 1. To send a voicemail, press 2. Hello. Hi. 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 They called it. They called it. Yeah. I know. I had like nine texts to send, and I was in the middle of sending them when the phone rang. So I'm like, all right, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Oh, who, you didn't get my text saying they called it. I did, but I had, I had just oh, okay. I had just checked Twitter as well. So, who, yeah, who do, you, who do you feel like you need to celebrate with the most? Uh, well, my kids who took it kind of like, they were just like, ah, good, you know, cause like we've known for so many days this week that this is what was going to happen. Yeah. I think at this point they're just like, hey, oh. <laughs> how about you? Uh, well, we're celebrating with you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> All I, like, of well, our I know people. what I was going to talk about, but what am I going to talk about now? Yeah. Mm, no, we, we, we kind of, we literally popped the cork on the champagne yesterday, yesterday. morning. Um, yeah, we did it around 11 when that um, election bureau called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did the same thing. And um, it just, yeah, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange election. And it's all because of the strange person in the White House who uh, normally we rely on that, on that person, whether it's John McCain or George H.W. Bush to say, uh, that's okay, I'm done. You're right. It's not going to happen. And to give a gracious concession. And that's just not, that's not what we have right now. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Nope. We tap dance around toxic male fragility. And that is what we are doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean when you say tap dance around it? I think I know what you mean, but what, what what do you mean by that? 
Um, so I had, I threw up a tweet late night, I don't know, a week or two ago. I have it bookmarked. I'm not sure the exact date. Um, after dealing with yet another reply guy, right? Yeah. Like, man, you, it wasn't even like mean. It was just very simple stated fact. I said, um, you would be shocked if every woman you know woke up tomorrow and just stopped putting up with nonsense, right? Like we live in a world where the people who are not at the center, right? And and we all know there are a million dimensions to that. There's race, there's economics, there's country of origin, there's orientation, there's identification. You know, there's a lot of different axes there. But the people at the center have no idea the degree to which everyone around them is tap dancing. Uh, they just don't. Not because yeah. they're mean or bad. They just don't. It's like the David Foster Wallace, David Wallace Foster, I don't know what order his name goes in. Yeah. This <laughs> is water. Right. It is water. Mm -hmm. And so that the thing about fragility that nobody seems to talk about is it is real pain. The person in their fragility is hurting. And we're like, you're being fragile. You're a dick. It's like, no, (laughs) you are hurting. But the underlying, you know, we want people experiencing fragility to cultivate curiosity about their fragility. Mm -hmm. Why Mm. do I feel this pain? Where is this coming from? What is different from me? And, you know, there's that that kind of overused but but also underused because everybody hasn't learned it yet thing about um, when you're used to, like I said, being in the center, a move towards equity or equality feels like a loss. Feels like oppression. Yeah. Yeah. They it, frame it, it, it as it oppression. Like oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, get me the most angry person in any, you know, dominant or centered group screaming about PC and, you know, sit them down quietly in a room, give them a cup of coffee and then start calling them all the non-PC names for their group that are not socially acceptable. And just, you know, not in a mean way, just say, look, we are already PC towards you. Uh What's freaking you out is someone in a different group is just asking for what you've already got. And they're not even going to take it away from you. Right, you know, like right. that's, you probably don't, that's like what being I keep saying. Cracker. Yeah. Right. You probably don't like being called a cracker. So guess what? In polite discourse, we usually don't use that word unless we're eating snacks, right. which is different. Right. right. So like, well, that, was, that was that of, was know, what that was what Matt Ruff said in our interview with him, and that that racism is so different for black people and white people because for white people, racism is being the worst possible thing is to be called a racist, right? Like that's those are the stakes. Like, oh my God, don't call me a racist. I'm not racist. I'm not a chauvinist. I'm not sexist. I'm not. You know, it's like the you know being called out is is this are the stakes or the risks, right? And it just it feels uncomfortable. And that's right. the, and, the yeah. most of it is it feels, it feels bad. Yeah. Aww. It feels bad. And the reality is the rest of the world has been tiptoeing around you feeling bad. And that's yeah. the only reason you haven't felt that before. Right. Yeah. So, that's that's so, why I'm, re- yeah, that's why I'm really work trying to work with men. I'm like, can, can you be strong around this? You, you use the word curious, which I think, mm-hmm. I think what has to come first is a sense of security and strength of just like, Okay, there's a challenge happening right now. And I'm big enough to meet it. And I'm big enough to meet yeah, it with, with curiosity. Some, yeah. There needs to be some self parenting yes. before the demand is made of everyone else to parent you. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, let's. Well, let me let me ask you, Laura. How does it feel to have elected a female VP? This is, we've hardly talked about it in 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 this country. Like, how big a deal this is because there's all this other stuff going. Yeah. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels amazing, and it feels amazing for me on many levels. One is, you know, we got our hearts broken in 2016 because I think yeah. anybody who tries to make the case that a male Hillary Clinton wouldn't have blown that out of the water and won it entirely is yeah. in denial. That's It was full um, misogyny. But, yeah, I mean, that got stolen from us. You know, it, it's been stolen from us for years. Um, but then on a very personal level, a couple specific things about Vice President-elect Harris. Yeah. Good to say. Yeah. Um, Love it. When I first read VP. her bio, like last July 2019, I guess it was, I was pretty late to the Senator Harris train. Um, but I read her bio, and I was just blinded with this feeling of, oh, this woman can save us from Trump. Right? And, and that didn't, you know, at the time she was running for president, so mm -hmm. I just assumed that's what that meant. Mm -hmm. But that was what I received. And you know me, I'm not woo-woo. I'm very like sciencey. But that was what I heard in my head. And so I got to work on her campaign and you obviously heard, you heard that. running you, as... You got a message that she could save us from Trump. I was is like, that, oh my it? God, she's yeah. the one. Yeah. I tweeted nice. it. I have a link to that tweet too. I retweeted <laughs> it. I was like, she's the one. Come volunteer for her campaign with me. She's yeah. the one. Yeah. Wow. And it wasn't, she's the one to be president. It was specifically, this woman can save us from Trump. Yeah. Um, so I threw my weight behind her, but then I also had personal levels to be very excited. I am a single mom yeah. raising half Indian kids and the thought that they would be able to see this person occupy Ugh. one of the highest seats in the land, you know, and, and grow up looking at that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause there's so oh much shame God. when you first become a single mom and you're like, I'm going to mess with my kids and they could be bad. And, but then you start digging into it, 80% of single-parent households are led by women, no shock. Yeah, yeah. You start digging into it, we have a ton of presidents who are raised by single moms. Like, oh. it's, in the t it's like Obama, Bill Clinton, right? We've got Katie Porter taking names. She's the first single mom in Congress. She just showed up and day one started like, like we don't, can I curse? We don't mess yes. around, right? We, we do had not to around. learn to yeah. structure our lives to juggle so much. Uh, anyway, so I'm curious. It, does, she, you know, does, she, it, does she does she like put the menu plan for the week on uh, on the whiteboard like she does for the guys in Congress? Is she like she gives her kids as as I do actually? I just found this out the other day. She gives her kids a daily briefing on COVID. <laughs> nice. My kids this winter were the ones that all the other kids in school were asking questions about what was happening with COVID because they knew about three and a half weeks before anybody else. Yeah, you know, like oh, okay. I saw schools close in Japan. I sat them down. I said, look, I don't want to alarm you. Let's just talk about what's happening. If this comes here, here's what would happen next. Here's how your father and I are going to talk about it, work uh, it out. I'm, I'm a halftime single mom, right? Yeah, so that's a yeah. privilege point as well. Um, and, and you know, like, <laughs> there's no messing around. You don't have the energy for it. Right. <laughs> You're just like trying to keep the kids alive and happy and, and listen to them. Anyway. And so I think. And that's, I think, and, and, and Kamala's. Was Kamala the product of a single parent household? Yeah. yeah. She oh, was right, raised right. by Shama. She and, her, she and, she and Maya. Yeah, right. Yep. Two young half-Indian women, also half-black, incredibly important, even probably arguably more important cultural heritage yeah. for where she's been able to go in the world. 
but you know, both sides matter a lot. And Shamala raised Maya and Kamala with, you know, very high expectations and very this and very that. So, you know, there's a lot of like personal resonance to the story. There's one other thing about Vice President-elect Harris that is a very personal trigger point for me. And that is, I am a person who experienced in my professional life a venture capitalist sexually assaulting me. And I did try for years not to report it. I, in fact, reported it to the venture capitalist two days after it happened. We got right on the phone. And I said, this was messed up. Here is why. Here's why it's a problem. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just having marriage trouble and all this and all that. And then he literally sailed off into the sunset and appeared to live an incredibly pious life. Like, I'm not even kidding. The guy went out and met the Dalai Lama. He raised money for Hillary at his mansion in San Francisco with Amal and George Clooney. Right. And I'm like, this is great. I had the talk with him. He learned his lesson. He made an innocent mistake. Right. And so 2017 hit and stories about him start breaking. And the more I hear, the more I'm like, I can't keep this story quiet because he had been arrested for rape in London and kept in England for over a month. Somehow wiggled out of it. We don't know why. We don't know what it was. A story came out in Bloomberg where six different women had had very similar experiences with him to what I had had. And I realized, look, I'm not a founder anymore. I don't need to raise venture capital. So if this guy turns on me, I can survive this culturally, like my career can survive this. So I did finally make the decision to be the only person to go on record with him. Uh, and that was terrifying, right? It was just no a bunch doubt. of my VC friends behind the behind the scenes were like, we'll pay your legal fees when he sues you. You know, like they just assumed Whoa. it was going to be terrible. But one of the things that gave me the courage to give my name was that when the first story started breaking, Kamala Harris sent the guy back all his money. Wow. She didn't. Like long before my story came out, she's just like, oh, no questions asked. I don't want this money. Go away. And I was like, that was actually when she first came on my radar. I was like, oh, who's that? Why did she take such a strong stand so quickly? Um, and then Cory Booker, you know, run, right around the same time did the same. Mm. And that gave me so much courage to move forward on, you know, trying to prevent this individual from hurting other women, which you can't. I mean, people think these Me Too guys have had their careers ruined. They've not. He's yeah. carrying on just fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway. So it's an uber personal reason I adore her, but I think there's a lot else too. And I think the fact that I see her experience on many sides of many of the conflicts we're having right now about race, about justice, about economic fairness, about holding companies responsible. I just think, I don't know. I I think she's going to be a very, very good companion to the leadership that we're going to see from Biden. And I do hope that someday she can be the president as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, I thank you, Laura. It's like, you know, when Kelly came up with this idea for doing these phone calls, I was imagining that, you know, we'd call some folks who'd been really involved in the election and be like, Hey, yay. And, Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of have this, have this, I don't know why I thought it would be frothy. That's not what we do here. We at don't this do podcast. froth. You worked really hard on this election. You always work really hard on everything you do. It's deeply personal for you around your kids, around your experience as a woman in this country. Do you have any more energy? I mean, it's just like. Yeah. Do you need to lie down for two weeks at least before well, you get back I, up and do whatever's I next? Need, 
I need to um, start earning income again. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of, you know, put my business on hold for six weeks to um, work on this election. And, and I'm very lucky that for about 10 years now, part of my doing whatever job I had, I had a few different jobs, but part of doing it right was making sure we were listening to diverse voices. So I had kind of a head start of patient, particularly black people, but other groups as well explaining over and over and over the importance of a lot of things. And one of the things I had heard over and over and over is what everybody else realized yesterday with Stacey Abrams and Georgia. Black women have literally been the backbone of the Democratic Party, of the elections themselves. There are a ton of just plain you know, nonpartisan voting rights groups that, oh gosh, most of them are run by black women. Why is that? And it, it's somehow below the surface, even though it's blindingly obvious to me. So I realized, oh, this is not blindingly obvious to the people I know. And so I spent a weekend just researching as many of these groups as I could find. Um, I think I chased down about 65 groups in my spreadsheet. It's There have been new ones coming in, so I've, I've totally lost track. And of them, uh, I think like 45 are led by black women. Another 10 are led by black men. Um, and, and then obviously there are hundreds and hundreds of voting rights groups all over the country. And, you know, we need to be finding the people doing this work and amplify them, amplify their social shares, follow them and just hear what they have to say, yep. donate to the work they're doing and volunteer. And so I spent all my time between RBG and the election. I would work on just asking over and over and over, especially influential white men, but asking everybody who would listen, hey, can you please amplify these accounts for a day? Hey, would you raise some money for one of these? Hey, could you do a takeover of your account where you do nothing but tweet their stuff for the day? And and a bunch of people um, took me up on this very generously. And I'm that's the drum I'm going to keep beating is... Great. Look, it's not enough to say thank you, Stacey Abrams, right? Because right. even in Georgia alone, there's a million other, there's nobody quite like Stacey Abrams. I'm not at all diminishing her light. I'm doing what she did herself in a tweet yesterday, which is lift up a bunch of the other women and a bunch of the other, you know, types of groups, the, the Latino groups who are working in Georgia. I'm, we're going to put the link to your spreadsheet mm-hmm. in the show notes for this podcast so thank that people you. can do Exactly what you're saying. Go follow those yeah, just pick one. folks. Yeah, go follow yep. those folks. Follow pick the one. one that's nearest you geographically. Yep. All these efforts are understaffed. All these efforts are underfunded. All right. This is who's doing the work. This is who's protecting voting rights. I mean, even the very neutral, you know, like vote.org, right? This yep. isn't just the, hey, let's get black people to vote, you know, and, and Latasha Brown at Black Voters Matter is amazing, mm-hmm. but it's not just groups targeting black voting rights. It's groups helping everyone. Right. Absolutely. Vote.org. I don't care how conservative you are, what district you're coming from, how set you are on voting Trump, that hotline is for you also. It is not a liberal thing. It is not a democratic thing. It's a democracy thing. Ooh, t-shirt, go. It's a democracy thing. thing. Yay! Love it. So, so, so anyone can support these groups, right? This is not about, hey, you know, liberals follow me and do what I do. It's, hey, we are a democracy, and that does hinge on everyone being able to to vote legally. 
So the the work, I mean, you know, you know, Ding Dong, the witch is dead. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just called it moments ago for for Joe Biden and and Kamala Harris, and you know, it's really clear that the work continues. And I, my there's no witch. The witch, the witch is who those people chose, right? It, yeah. it, it, it's not a bunch of munchkins are going to come running out and being like, oh my God, thank God you got rid of Trump for us. <laughs> we were so scared of him. Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, you know, just but yeah, again, the work back goes to, on. And if yeah. you, if you want to boil it down to a very simple phrase, listen to black women, because the conditions black women live in are in almost every measure the worst. So if things get better for black women, they get better for everybody. Boom. There it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, Laura, I just want to, you know, like I said, I know that you've been working your butt off for, for years on this and, and just in particular in the last six weeks. And, you know, thank you for all that hard work. And I want to say that, you know, I personally. That's very kind. I came yeah. so late to the party. I kind of knew we were supposed to listen to black women, but I didn't really know what that was. So. It's okay. Well, we can all jump just, in here. Let's just stipulate that you're never going to be able to do enough, but can you also accept <laughs> yeah, that you're doing more than most? <laughs> I just don't want to get credit that I've known this for years. Yeah. It, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Then other people feel like, oh, well, she's known this for years. I can't just jump in. I want people to know I just jumped in. Right. I want them to jump in too. Right. 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 But thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and you know, we talk about you in particular a lot on this podcast because of that example of where you time after time where you've seen something and done something like that's going to be one of the t-shirts, you know, it's like, if you see something, do something. Um, and, uh, poor impulse control is good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put that in in little, little type at the bottom of the t-shirt, but we'll send, we'll send you a free, we'll send you a free, uh, if you see something, do something t-shirt since it's really all about you. Love you both. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, just word. We can all build back better together, even though that's a campaign slogan. I try and avoid campaign slogans. It's so true. We need to save lives. We need to rebuild the economy and we need to move fast. You heard it here, folks. Love you. Love you. Thank you, Laura. Have a great ferry ride. I want a ferry ride. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was, that was our dear friend, Laura Fitton. Laying it down. Oh my god! Yeah. She just nails it. Yeah. What? And when you when you when you say she nails it, what is that? What do you mean? I don't know. I mean, she's just so clear. And when I hear her say almost anything, it just has the ring of of truth to it. It's not a bunch of nonsense. She's sourced it well. She's thought it through, and. She just, I don't know. She speaks the truth. Yeah. Yeah. She's wicked smart and she, and she brings, uh, an emotional awareness and an emotional heft, you know, thinking about her daughters, you know, that's, you know, it's easy for her to empathize with them, you know, thinking about other women who've been affected by, uh, sexual assault, you know, in Mm -hmm. the, in the, the startup world, you know, that's a relatively easy, empathy for her because she was there. She's and, been through it. Yeah. And I'm just so, you know, grateful that she's willing to talk about it oh on the God, pod. Oh my God, the courage. Well, <laughs> she's willing to talk about it to us, Yeah, but she talked about it to him. Yeah. And she talked about it to a judge. Yeah. yeah she talked about it to, to business insider and yeah. Yeah, the economist. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. the, the courage to, to come forward with that 
is so huge yep. and to to model what that can look like for women but she had to weigh the consequences for herself like yep. can i continue making a living right. do i have the luxury to report this right and you know that that phrase the political is personal the personal is political mm-hmm. it kind of came around in the 70s as the feminist movement was starting up and it's that was just so clear from this conversation and, and from the one we're going to listen to mm-hmm. in a minute you know it's easy it's especially easy for folks of privilege i'm a white guy it's relatively easy for me to imagine politics as a game mm-hmm. or as something that we can set down in between elections yeah a chess match for when you feel like it right yeah right and you know i want to kind of send a shout out to to guys in particular to white guys in particular who listen to this pod of like just be aware that uh for women and people of color and lgbtq folks what just happened uh, is not just a chess match. So whether you voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden, know that people are hurting and jubilant, and it's 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 serious. It's not it's not surfacy. Um, so just pay attention to that. And, and uh, Elise is going to talk about that a little bit in the in the next segment. But I also want to just give a shout out to Laura's ability not only to empathize with people who are close in their experience to her you know, her kids, other women, et cetera. But she's able to empathize with with people who are in their fragility, you know, like why she's able to empathize with white men and their pain when they get called out for stuff. And it's just Well, yeah. and that's how it changes. Is yeah. not to just vilify people who are doing hurtful things. It's to understand why are they doing these things? Why are they behaving this way? Yeah. And how can we can't change it if we don't understand it right. and we can't understand it if we can't connect yep and find out right and if you know if there's a conservative person who's still listening to this podcast yeah, at this point yeah i know it's a rare shot but yeah, maybe it's happening i just i just invite you to curiosity like i you know you may be feeling some pain and discomfort and confusion about why uh 75 million people voted the way they did but you know, have some have some curiosity about what goes on for people like Laura, what goes on for guys like me, instead of just being in your own awareness, I guess. Right. And we can talk about it in a in a way that is compassionate and empathetic. And if you are curious, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Let's do a couple of uh, quote unquote commercials and then we'll get on to talking about Elise or listening to Elise. Sounds good. So everybody be sure to check out episode 43, the full episode with Laura Fitton about how to be useful. It's where we got the catchphrase, if you see something, do something. Laura talks about all the different ways that she's stumbled across really intractable problems and actually just started a spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> spreadsheet saves the day. A shared spreadsheet is is a, a quickie website. So she talks about climate change, talks about covid uh, the covid pandemic and her just go for it attitude so it's really inspiring episode 43 how to be useful i also want to put in a plug for the latest episode of the prescott woman podcast that rocket feather creative produces we got to interview crystal coons and diane delong who are with catholic charities crystal coons in particular runs something called the teen closet which provides free 
new clothing, not used holy clothing, because as she says, these teens have enough holes in their life. Yeah. So she provides new clothing in kind of a boutique atmosphere for uh, low-income teens who just want to be able to go to school and fit in. And while they shop, they build relationships, they make connections. She hooks them up with the services they need or the services they're getting, hooks those kids up with her, and they have connection to the community through this project called Teen Closet. Absolutely. And it's really a cool project. Yeah, and it's another great example of if you see something, do something. It's like Crystal's like, I've got all these clothes that my daughter and I are taking to the thrift store. There's got to be a better use for these. Mm-hmm. So she started that project, and Diane DeLong is, has been involved uh, in local nonprofit work for years and years and years, and her program, North Star for Teens, has had a positive impact on over 300,000 teens wow. in our county, in the neighboring county, uh, as a former nonprofit leader. Jealous. Yeah, of that those number. are some big numbers. Yeah. And, and I'm relieved that I'm not trying to compete with that. So. Right. <laughs> so check out that episode. We're really proud of it. Crystal and, and Diane were really excited about it. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. All right. We'll move on to conversation number two that happened the morning, the morning they called. The, yeah. The morning they called it for Joe Biden. Is there, you want to, is there anything you want to say about Elise before we? That you didn't already say in the intro? Oh, there's not enough time in the world. She's, she's just one of my favorite humans, always has been. We might go years without talking, but the the relationship that we have is, is heart to heart. And uh, I think she's amazing. And I'm so glad we got to talk to her on the pod. All right, let's listen in. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am so much better today than I was uh, all this week. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm better. Um, I'm better. I. It, it has been a week, you know. Um, and actually, it's been a four years. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I. I am uh, Kelly. I think the first feeling that I felt was relief. Um, and when did you feel, joy. when did you feel it? When did you get to feel relief? Uh, I, I didn't, I, I began. So let me, so let me, let me just start with the beginning of this week. You know, I voted early, so I had done what I needed to do. You know, I, I was in a position for the first time actually to give to a political campaign because I've always been a working journalist and was oh, not right. able to you do couldn't. that. Right? Oh my gosh. So I had given, right? I had a campaign sign in my yard, all of those things that I hadn't been able to do previously. Um, and so I did my thing. I voted two weeks ago and then I waited, right? And when I, I, I was up all night, Tuesday night, um, just, you know, watching all of the returns, watching everything. And Wednesday, I, I was dreadful. I, 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 um, I woke up like, are you kidding me? You know, because I had such, um, I had such hope. And I, and what I realized as the week continued, 
Um, and, 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 and when I woke up Wednesday and, you know, I had Alexa tell me because I didn't even want to turn on the television. <laughs> right. Oh, no. So I got all busy Wednesday because I was just like and I kept the television off because I was just in my feelings, so to speak. Like, oh, I yeah. couldn't believe that half of the country thought that we were on the right track when our very democracy was at stake. Right, to me. right. Right? So I was just a mess Wednesday. So I got real busy. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I know people at work were like, well, damn, what's wrong with her? Because <laughs> I was just busy, 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 busy. And then at about 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, I turned on MSNBC. And I started to feel a little better Yeah. because what I realized was even the forecasting of what they called the red mirage. Um, it just, it, so you can know, you can know mentally what's happening and right. your heart can still get pummeled. Yeah. And that's what happened. I got caught up in the red mirage, right? There's a lot and of red on that map. There was, and all of those were day of votes that were coming in, mm -hmm. right? And so when the absentee ballots and the mail-in ballots started to be counted and things started to look a little different, I started to feel a little better. Um, and then by Thursday, I think Thursday was when Georgia, um, when, it, when it was on the line and we knew that they still had Metro Atlanta to count, and I live in Metro Atlanta, and so I know that my county is 55% black. Um, you know, the city of Atlanta is changing. You know, um, the city of Atlanta is still majority black, but there's, you know, the, 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 the lines are changing, right? So I wasn't so sure, but, but I knew that some of these outlying counties um, had an opportunity. And, you know, the thing is, um, <clears throat> we have, black people have historically, supported the Democratic candidate, right? Um, there's been a lot of talk about that and about how, you know, the Democrats take the black vote for, for granted and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but I just started feeling better. And then when those returns from Georgia started coming in, I couldn't believe it. Georgia has not gone blue since Clinton. Wow. Um, it, so 28 years. And when when it was a, abundantly clear that Georgia was handed it over, I was like, oh, my goodness, here we go. Yeah. How's that um, feel so, to, to have have your your state show up like yeah. that? Well, you know, I I, I am I am crossed. Um, I have so many things. Right. So many emotions. Um, because the mayor of the city is my boss and my classmate from college. Yeah, you guys and are my pals, friend. huh? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and we were so, just we were just listening um, to her on what MSNBC, MSNBC, and we were like, yeah, and she was so full of emotion, right? I yeah. sent her a text message, and I was like, "You just made me cry," yeah. you know, because she stood out. And hi, Charles. Hi. <laughs> um, how are you? <laughs> Um, but this is, this up, is all guys. this is all about you, man. This is yeah. all about you. <laughs> um, I, you know, first of all, I'm so grateful to be doing this with you. And oh, we'll have yay. to do another one when we can actually do it mm -hmm. um, where we can see each other. I have just been, you know, I've been swirling. Yes. You know, all year. Summer and all, yeah. All, yeah, I really have been. It's just been a lot of 
stuff and a lot to reckon with. And I think this election is another example of that. And I'm going to I'm going to get back to your initial question. But we do have a lot to reckon with and a lot to grapple with as a nation. Um, I am just relieved that we will have decency to lead us. Right. Yes. Um, But going back to um, to how does it feel uh, for Georgia? I'm just I'm, I'm very proud. I mean, I you know, I always say there's Atlanta and then there's the rest of the state. Yeah. Um, but I really have to give Stacey Abrams a lot of props. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, yeah, Stacey's groundwork um, since 2018 has been phenomenal. And, and, and honestly, I mean, they've been saying it, you know, on national news, but she really deserves the credit because what she did as candidate for Georgia governor was she went into those areas that didn't necessarily have a democratic stronghold and she introduced herself to those people, you know, and she, yeah, that's a such courage more than, you know, in Georgia. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's Georgia where the Confederacy still, you know, still alive um, and well. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, so, um, she did a lot to, um, to really make what happened, uh, a reality. And she, um, I understand that they registered 800,000 new voters. So those were new voters that they didn't know, you know, that wasn't part of the equation, right? That wasn't part of the the map strategy because those were all new voters. And so, yeah, so jumping all over the place, um, you know, we've got to, this is a, this is wonderful for the, for the country, for our very democracy. I mean, I, you know, I, we can get into Kamala being, you know, the first black female president. She's my sorority. Sister yeah. I was going to say, AKA all the way to the white house, <laughs> yeah, all of that. Right. But thank God that our democracy is not going to be destroyed because that was my biggest concern. You know, we've been dealing with a president who was not just ignorant and not just incompetent, but who was actively, actively testing our democracy, you know, at every turn, even, I mean, you know, specifically during the impeachment hearings, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when do you get to decide that you just are not going to listen to a congressional subpoena? Like that's, you know, there are different branches of government for a reason. And, you know, to just thumb your nose at your checks and your balance is not an option to me, right? And he was able to do it because he had the support of his Senate Republican colleagues. And I I just have such an issue with all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I get it, but but honestly, if we're not a democracy, we're not America. And so I was, I honestly, I think Kelly, you and I talked about this. I was like, shit, I'm trying to figure out where I can go work in Canada. I know, because right? I'm <laughs> oh, out. <God. laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, because I, why do I want to live in a nation that hates me? Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so I'm just grateful that our democracy has been saved. I am a little worried about this time between mm-hmm. now and the inauguration. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. tricky. My hope is that. You know, I, I wrote on 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 um, Facebook that decency won. You know today, yeah. and I yeah. hope that the nation 
can pause and that, you know, that 70 million, 70 plus million that voted for President Trump um, will understand that. And, and first of all, I would love to talk to every one of them and figure out <laughs> right. like, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. And like, why? I mean, I really do want to understand that. Like, why? Yeah. Like, everything yeah. about this man is, is repugnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, what is it? You know, is it the devil you know and not the one you don't? But you know, look, listen. You know, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Joe. So anyway, guys. Oh, <laughs> so amazing because I think because so much was at stake, it's almost like we can't even, I can't even absorb the fullness of what this means. Yeah. This yeah. moment. And, you know, and not only is she the first black woman uh, of, of Indian descent, She's the first HBCU graduate, mm-hmm. yeah. and that is huge for HBCUs. This is what this means, that all of these little girls growing yeah. up now, yeah. and I don't care what color they are, yeah, because they now have an example, you know, and, and, and Hillary, God bless her, you know, she, I think her, her well, I have to paraphrase it here, but like her famous little line was, we have 18 million cracks in the ceiling you know what i mean and now Mm. we're looking at almost 75 million people that voted for this ticket and and there is something about the time you know that we live in i think um more than the the two if you know what i mean it's the time more than the two we're 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 Mm. we're lucky that the two are decent biden and harris but it's the time that brought out 150 vote, 150 right. million voters. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, yes, this is amazing. And it, it will change the, tra- the trajectory of what young women think is possible. Um, and, you know, and then let's just watch her work because she's not going to be, in, in, my, in my estimation, in, in this White House. She's not going to be an afterthought. Mm-mm. She's going to be the thought, right? Yeah. Because that's why Biden picked her, you know? So I, I am just, I, I think guys, the, the, the biggest feeling that I have is relief. Mm. You know, now I'm all on social media posting about my sorority and oh, it's so great. And all that's true. I don't necessarily feel that today. Right now, what I feel is relief. I think that as we get closer to inauguration and I'll probably go to DC, even though I don't think, I don't think the inauguration will be anything like what we've seen before because of the virus. Um, I I think we got to kind of hear what those plans are. Um, But Kamala, so, so that you guys know my connection here, Kamala Harris is my cousin's line sister, which means they made the sorority together. Um, So they were on the same line. Um, at Howard. And so I just told her this one. I'm like, I'm rolling with you. Whatever you're doing, I'm rolling with you. Nice. But um, we don't know that we'll have the kind of inaugurations that we've known um, in the past. And I, you know, I went to D.C. in 2008 for Barack's um, inauguration. But, you know, I, I think when we get closer to that, I'll start to feel the the real rush of, of the history being made Mm. right now. I'm just so grateful that our democracy has been saved. Yeah. 
um, that's really my overwhelming feeling today. Um, mm. And I think, you know, we'll be that for the rest of the weekend. Uh, and then I'm going to open the first page of Rage by Bob Woodward. I bought that. Ooh. I bought the book and I was waiting to read it. Uh, and now that I know that that's not going to be my future, yes. I can now read it as past prologue. Right. So, so, it, can be a, so it can be a horror movie and, and not and a, not, uh, and not a yeah. reality check. Oh, right. Exactly. Oh exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching MSNBC now, guys, and I'm looking at DC. And these folks are just, I mean... People are just out. And, like, yeah. and, we, and remember now, we're in the midst of a global pandemic yep. where cases have risen to over 100,000 per day. And it's like, hell with it. You know, people <laughs> are just out. So, yeah, what, guys, so, what's, so what do you think's next? Like, what are you going to be working on? Yeah, we got two on? Senate races that we've got to make happen. Yes. Um, so we've got a runoff for for two Senate seats here in Georgia. Yeah. Um, and so I was just on a conversation, uh, in a conversation this morning with what, what do I need to do? You know, what can mm -hmm. I do? So I'm not really a canvas kind of person. Like I'm not really trying to get out there and beat doors and stuff, but I've got to figure out what I can do to help. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I'm going to sort of look into the Warnock and Ossoff campaigns to see what, if anything, I can do to help make sure that um, we keep this energy for those two, you know, for those two runoffs so that yeah. we can at least have a shot of a fair Senate. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A representative yeah. Senate. Yeah. Not one that mm -hmm. just represents mm -hmm. Wyoming. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, so, it, so that's the other piece of this, right? So, and I think that, that there are a few folks that feel this way. So yay, but yeah. we're not done yet. No. <laughs> right. And, you know, and something here in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> not, not done in Georgia and something, you know, something that's just, just I have been changed in the last mm -hmm. year. Like my understanding of not just my own privilege, but my own place in history mm -hmm. and, and, and the place of the United States in history. I have this very clear memory of walking down to my garden uh, maybe two months ago and just kind of coming to a dead standstill. Like, oh my God, I don't actually live in a democracy. I've mm -hmm. got to change that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. about all of the people who were supposedly included in the democracy who, who haven't mm -hmm. been. And, and in particular, yeah. just like thinking about, and thinking about black women in particular who have worked so hard for this country that has treated mm -hmm. it, treated them so poorly. I was like, holy shit, Charles. Yeah. We don't deserve <laughs> y'all. Yeah, get, get off your duff and start making phone calls. And you know, that was, that was what that and the death of, of RBG is what, what finally got me, yeah. you know, making, making phone calls and, and getting more engaged. Mm -hmm. that way. You know, it, it, we always hear America uh, referred to as this um, experiment, you know, uh, yeah. And when you think about our place in the world, we are just infants. You know, we're not even 300 years old yet. Yeah. Um, and I have stood on cobblestone streets that were thousands of years old, mm -hmm. you know. And so we got a lot of work to do. Right. Yeah. But we 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 got to we. So it's urgent work. But then we also have to, I think, in some way. Think about where we are in our development, 
right? So if you think about a toddler, we're still a toddler, yeah, you know, yeah. in, 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 the, in the world order. Um, and toddlers learn to walk and they fall and they stumble and they hit their heads and they do all kinds of things, but they always get back up. And so I think this is the getting back up for us. I think that the last four years was a stumble and it was a, you know, toddlers will try out something that they've never seen before. You know, they, um, you know what I mean? They, they, they're, they're, um, interested in the shiny and the something that's new. Yep. And then yep. when they get tired of it, what do they do? Throw it they down. They discard it. Yeah. yeah. Right. They throw it down and they go back to what they know. They go back to, and I feel like that's where we are. And literally that just came to me. Mm. That's not even, that's not even an analogy I've ever thought about before, Yeah. but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like we just stumbled and on our, on our journey to learn to walk. And to me, we don't walk until everybody can walk. Mm. Right. And, and not be afraid to, get in your car and drive down the street. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, so, so here we go. So we, 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 we stood back up now. So let's see how far we can walk this time, mm. you know? Um, and it, it's so funny, you know, folks are talking about, um, you know, the, when, so, <laughs> so this morning I was talking to some folks <laughs> of mine and they were saying, so it only takes 270, but, so Biden, you know, so when it when they announced it, it was 273. So that's, you know, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. I said, uh, or Elijah, Ruth, and John. Yes. <laughs> Elijah Cummings, Ruth, Baker Ginsburg, and John Lewis. Love it. Oh <laughs> or it's those three, you know. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so... We got a lot of work work to do, guys. But the one thing I do know, and, you know, I was all over the place this summer and not I wasn't even really able to deal with what I was thinking and feeling, because I think for me, the disappointment is I thought we had come so much further than we have, apparently, as a nation. And it was disheartening, right? Because what ends up happening is then you start thinking. Well, damn, what did he really mean when he said that to me the other day? Mm. Or, you know, so you, you saw all these people on, on social saying your black friends are tired. You know, your black friends are exhausted. Yeah. And more than that, your black friends are just scared to trust what they thought they knew. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, so I was just all over the place with that. And I just feel like we do have a lot of work to do. We really do. Um, and, and this nation has never lived up to, um, its ideals for itself, but I think the shining star, the North star is that there are ideals, right? It would be a totally different thing if there were no ideals to live up to. Hmm. Um, but our founders, those slave owning white men, um, (laughs) were brilliant. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were brilliant and what they, they were hypocrites, but they were brilliant and, and, and what they dreamt for, for this nation. And they knew that human nature is dangerous. Why? That's why we have three branches of government. 
you know? And that's why we have the ability to amend the Constitution. They were brilliant, though they owned slaves. Yeah. You know, there's a whole issue with that, you know? Slave owning bigotry. But they were brilliant. Yeah. 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 They are brilliant hot mess. We talk about that all the time on this podcast about how, you know, both things are true all the time, right? Like yep. we are all literally, right. made, we are all literally made out of stardust and we are just shit, shit machines, shit machines, shit yeah. monsters. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think leadership, I think leadership is, is tweeting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm I, sorry. I, I, now I, your president is tweeting. I, okay, go. <laughs> I think we're about to say the same thing. It's like leadership makes the difference, right? Yeah. It's like I can be yeah. kind of a leader in my own life. To decide whether I'm going to be the shit monster or the or the star child in any given instance, but we need mm-hmm. we need leadership from the top, you know, all the way down to the bottom, you know, in our churches and our communities and in the White House, saying let's aspire to let's aspire mm-hmm. to the, the star child stuff and not the not the shit bird. Right, and and by doing aligning ourselves with our values, just like you were saying, mm-hmm. Elise. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like we have these these aspirations based on those founding fathers brilliant thoughts yep and i think that's one of the things that we have to work on is is being is clarifying what those values are and helping everybody find how they align with those values you mm-hmm. know if that's if right. honesty and- is a value that we have as americans then what does that mean that's right you know and 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 it, and it and it and like this is helpful, like just talking to yeah. each other and listening to each other yeah. and trying to understand we are so much more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. You know, Charles, I don't know if you know this, but Kelly is one of like my favorite people on Earth. Mm-hmm. And you never know it because I you know, we don't ever talk to each other. <laughs> but there is a foundation. We love each <laughs> other from afar. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But there is a foundation that we built. When we were 14 years old, you know what I mean? 14 and not even old enough to work. I remember that Mm -hmm. when I was trying to work at Miracle 5 and I wasn't old enough yet. You know, we were 14 years old when we built this foundation that will carry us through a lifetime. You know, and it, it has nothing to do with her being a white girl. It has nothing to do with me being a black girl. Yeah. You know, I think we've always respected that difference in each other and try to learn from it mm-hmm. but we love each other you know i do i love you Kelly. i love you I mean, too. And, and i know you know that <laughs> so right much. yeah and there's nothing that would ever change that Mm-mm. we can have a race war right now and that would there was there's nothing that would ever change that right and so what i pray for is that more people have that kind of relationship. Absolutely. And that's, you know. that's what I keep wanting to say to all the dumb white people who are scared is mm-hmm. like, I went to a predominantly black school up until high school and mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was awesome. The only bad thing about it was the schools that I went to were underfunded. Mm-hmm. The people were mm-hmm. fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. I it just the idea that people are scared of of people of color or gay people or what you know whatever and they're mm-hmm. writing them off which I don't understand right so yeah. what's the fear about It's just um, dumb It's yeah. some mythology that they have and I think there's a lot of psychology behind it also as far mm-hmm. as um 
you know, white guilt and whatever. Of And, and, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that you do to other people, you're afraid that they're going to do to you. And, mm-hmm. right. you know, right. frankly, we deserve it, but it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, Kelly, right. Kelly, now we're the most forgiving people around. I don't, I don't know. Why, I don't, yeah, just there's amazed. no sense. Yeah. There's blows, no sense it in it, away. but it is true. Yeah. And but people just want to raise their families and have a decent life, and and ha- have a fair shot. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. that's what it comes down well, to. Everybody wants that, but when people I, don't I have, want it for other people, that's not cool. Yeah, we've always been in lockstep. Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, you know, our destinies are intertwined. You know, as as the human race. Now, I'm not yeah. even talking about. I'm not even talking about you know ethnicity. I'm talking about the human race. Mm-hmm. We are intertwined, and God damn it, if we can't figure that out. Right. Right. And take care of each other. But we'll see you guys. I mean, I I am just relieved that this nation has a conscience, Mm. you know, and that it showed itself. And, you know, when this thing is all said and done, this is a decisive victory. And that we're, you know, and that other one just needs to tuck his tail and go now. Mm -hmm. He's been disinvited to the cookout. (laughs) <laughs> Boom! Drop the mic. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, so good. So Elise, thanks for thanks so much for again. yeah. Yes, anytime, anytime you want to yak with us. Yeah, and if fantastic. The, and if something comes up, you know, for for working on the Ossoff for the the Warnock mm-hmm. campaign, there's Absolutely. anything we can do. I'll I mean, let you know. Yeah, when mm-hmm. we're definitely gonna. Definitely going to uh, donate some money and, yeah, I'll and be doing do phone postcards banking and again. postcards and yeah. whatever else. But if there's anything else we can do, I mean, I, we, you know, we kind of have this set of skills around, around podcasting and production that uh, we're looking, we're looking to use for good. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, yay. Okay, you guys. Super yay. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, I got to pee and I got a cat asleep on my lap. Me but. too, Kelly, me too. I'm like standing up, dancing around. Like I hope uh, they don't hear me go, getting out of breath because I got to pee. I know, okay. right? <laughs> okay, guys, I, I enjoyed this. Thank you. Yay, yeah. I love you so much. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you too. Congratulations. Okay. Blow up. Yes, blow congratulations. Up. Blow a kiss Yay. to Atlanta for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. So uh, now you all know why I love Elise Durham so much. I mean, there's just, I can't even. I don't know how to describe it, but just in the first two minutes, less than that, the first 40 seconds of hearing her voice on the phone, I just fell in love with her. I don't don't know what it is. It's uh, some sort of strange charisma. But, you know, one of the things that we, I think we forgot to point out in the intro is that Elise is in Atlanta, I mean, you mentioned that she she works at the airport, but she's yeah. living right in the center. She's of, in the middle of everything. Yeah, kind of the hotbed of of you know protests and and political change and the CDC voter activism. You right, the CDC. Yeah. yeah, and that's one thing I'll mention is that both the conversation with Elise and the conversation with Laura went on for much longer. Yeah, we talked to them for like an hour each or something. Yeah, and and we talked with Elise a fair bit about uh, 
the COVID and her fears about it and Lots of stuff. the politicization of the CDC. So I'm going to upload the, the full audio of both those conversations to the show notes page uh, that you can, if you want, if you want more, Elise, if you want more Yay. Laura Fitton, you can go there and I'll just and listen to thing. it every day. Yeah. <laughs> she makes my heart happy. I mean, that's great. I just, I don't know. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, she's like Laura in that she combines this like incredibly brilliant, insightful brain Mm -hmm. uh, with this deep empathy. Yeah. What what she has that Laura doesn't quite have is that laugh. Yeah. It slays me. Seriously. Because when I would back in the day, I would hear that laugh and I knew we were about to go get into some trouble and it would be (laughs) fun. It was a, but she's like, she's no nonsense, man. She just cuts through the bullshit. And I love that. I just love it. Like she, she's the real deal. Yeah. So I'm hoping that those of you who are listening are, you know, finding this again, really interesting that that, again, this combination of intelligence and and empathy and, and that if you haven't already, that you're thinking more about your place in this democracy and this democracy's place in the history of this continent, the history of the world, you know, just these little things to think about yeah, on micro. the podcast. Yeah. You know, and we're still, this podcast, you know, this particular episode is, is getting pretty quote unquote political, but it's still that intersection of personal relationship. relationship. Yeah. So that we can be engaged in community. It's like we got these, you know, these two women who are talking about their very personal reactions to what's going on in the world both of these interactions are informed by the relationship that I've had with Laura for years and years, the relationship that you've had with Elise for years and years and Elise's comfort and safety and being able to talk mm-hmm. across the race divide yeah. with you. She doesn't know me at all, right? But she trusted you enough to trust me yeah, and to have those really critical conversations about community, about the future of this country. And you know, we're going to, I'm going to continue to stay engaged. I'm going to continue to stay engaged so that kids in this county get all the food they need. Right. And that the teachers get paid more. I'm going to stay engaged as to do as much as I can to make sure that we have a livable climate in 20 years, in 30 years for my nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay engaged so that justice gets expanded out so that the table of justice gets bigger. Yeah. And it's not just for a few. That's what yeah. motivates me. Justice for all. Absolutely. That's what's, And you spoke uh, in the conversation with Elise about values and how we sometimes when people say, oh, I don't like getting political. Politics is about values mm-hmm. and being able to vote for the values that we believe in. And you mentioned the value of honesty and you know, people often say, oh, politicians just lie. And it's like, there's a false equivalence. Yeah, there's there's lying and then there's fucking lying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm really looking forward to a different kind of politics. And, you know, some folks are saying they're looking forward to, you know, a president that they don't have to pay so much attention to. That's great. Yes, and. Yes, and. We got to hold him accountable. We got to continue Absolutely. to hold uh, everybody accountable from school board to to the president of the United States. Yeah, sure. so that the policies, and not everybody gets excited about policy, but policies where it all happens. I think we know that now. I think we're Gosh, a little I hope clearer so. about that now. 
I feel more, I'm more interested in policy than I ever have been. I was bored by it until, you know, now I'm in a position of creating policy at my workplace. And, and I understand how having good policies, well-written policies that have considered all the angles and are informed by values and are informed by values. Yes. How that makes organizations run well, yeah. regardless of what the times are. And an organization running well is supposed to be about serving the people. Exactly. Yeah. Why do you exist if you're not there to serve the people who are your customers, your constituents, your patrons, yeah. whoever you are set up to serve? Not just shareholders, please, God, yeah. not just shareholders. <laughs> Let's serve the public. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And you've got some, you got some more reactions. Well, I just, you know, I related to Elise feeling, you know, what I will call heartsick on Wednesday. I felt that same way. The idea that half this country voted for things that to me felt like a destruction of our democracy and mm -hmm. a destruction of our, our values that we hold dear. And, you know, I was heartsick to think that half the country is on an, you know, is yeah. on a path that doesn't make any sense to me also, but we didn't. We, that, more than half the country voted for our democracy. Yeah. And, and can I just, can I, let's, a little different way to look at the math is that 70 million people voted for the Trump ticket. Mm -hmm. 70 million people is less than a quarter of the total population. Mm. But yes, you know, a little bit less that than helps. a little bit less than half of the people who voted, but but only 150, 154 million people voted, and there's more than 330 million people mm. in the country. So yeah, okay, that yeah. feels a little better. Yeah, but yeah, I was just heartsick on Wednesday. Yeah, I sure. was heartsick. There I go, trying to make you feel better. Why am I trying to make you feel no, better? You get to you, feel as bad as you want. No, you do make me feel better. Yeah, but yeah, I. I it was a tough week and I am feeling much better talking to Laura and talking to Elise yep. raised my spirits. I hope for our listeners that they raised your spirits as well. Yeah. You know, I hope you're inspired to get engaged in this American experiment and you know, we're all kind of shocked to find out that things weren't as good as we thought they were. Yeah. Um, and you know our destinies are entwined as humans like elise said and you know we're here together to try to make them better and i am i'm so grateful that we have this platform that we know these amazing humans and that we get to have these conversations they're absolutely beautiful they're precious to me and i know it's what you know it's what we need to to have these conversations to make things better in the world and i i am so grateful to all the hotties out there you know thank you guys for being here and just showing up week after week to listen to these conversations to share them with your friends to push these ideas out into the world and see what happens with them yeah and uh i just have one last thing it's kind of a sad note my uh part of my family lives in atlanta also and this week my uncle jack died of covid 
and my aunt Lee is not doing well. The whole family got it, and it it was almost comical, you know, like a sitcom kind of thing for a moment. But three three generations, yeah, three generations living, living in a, living house, in a house, and everybody got it. And my cousin and her husband and their two little girls uh, have recovered, and they're doing fine but her mom and dad are not. And I just want to remember my Uncle Jack, my dad's brother, my dad's big brother, as a man who always had a sense of humor. He always had this sense of calm about him as you know, the eye of the hurricane of their, their world. He worked in the record industry. His claim to fame in at least in our household, was that Gene Simmons gave him a cookie once. Um, <laughs> and he just was a decent man. I, I always remember his kindness and he was a man of few words, but he always just had this, this kindness and calm about him. And I remember him very fondly. And my heart goes out to uh, his kids, Tanya and Eric, to their kids, who he was their grandpa, and yeah. what a great grandpa he was. Yeah. And, you know, my Aunt Lee isn't doing well. And, you know, it's what's happening to so many families right now. Right. So if COVID's touching your family, um, I send you love and we're all trying to get through just the challenges of COVID, but a lot of people are losing loved ones and that's the real deal. So, yeah. and we're here for that. Yeah. We're, we're here, here together to, for that. Yep. We yeah. are. Yeah. And if you like what we're doing here, would you be a deer and leave us a testimonial comment or review on Podchaser, iTunes, or on our website? We'd be really grateful and uplifted to hear what you find useful, helpful, and even what you don't like. Go to podchaser.com slash here together to leave us a five-star rating. You can follow us on Instagram at rocketfeather.1, rocketfeather.1, rocketfeather1, and join us in the Rocketfeather Community Lab, soon to be, actually, it is already. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's already the Here Together Community Lab. All you got to do is check Facebook. I know. It's not that worst. Uh, This is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberge, wishing you the fortitude to keep wading into the fray. Don't worry, we'll all go together. Listen to black women, help with the runoff elections. We We love love you. you. The Here Together podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creek.